You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine, your host of the only daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. And we've got some news today, James. Ricardo Allen, according to Adam Schefter, has visited with the Bengals. There's also a number of players rumored to be available by trade or release that we'll talk about coming up a little bit later in the show. And we've gone through the list of free agents that's ever changing. We're going to have to add some guys, it seems like, James. But we've both gone through the list and we've assigned tiers to all of the players that we think might be Bengals free agent targets. We'll talk a little bit about our methodology for that to wrap up today's show. But let's start with Ricardo Allen. Free safety from Atlanta visited with the Bengals, according to Adam Schefter. And on its face, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, James. I was surprised. I did a double take and then a triple take. And I still question it some. And it really doesn't have to do with Ricardo Allen, the player. I mean, he's been a pretty steady player since being drafted in 2014. Uh, A sure-handed tackler. I say he's pretty quality tackle safety. You got Jesse Bates, you got Von Bell, and really safety is is where we're looking here. It, it almost feels like last year when they went so defensive heavy, and we were wondering. We're not even at free agency yet, but I it, it it was it did seem like a questionable move, and I still wonder what the what the logic behind it is. And we're going to specify here, or or at least speculate, excuse me, um, about that. But it, it's. Uh, it's interesting. So for, for those who who bet on bet online, uh, Bengals first free agent visit, it being Ricardo Allen, uh, you're paying, uh, you're getting crazy odds there because that uh, that's certainly something I don't think anyone saw coming. And that's exactly what my initial reaction was. I don't understand how this makes sense. I don't know how he gets on the field if Jesse Bates is healthy. Ricardo Allen is listed at five nine one eighty six. That's his height weight listing that I saw, James. And that doesn't sound like a guy that is terribly positionally versatile. He might be able to play free safety. He might be able to play slot corner. But the connection, as was pointed out by Malik Wright, is that Ricardo Allen played for Lou Anarumo at Purdue. And what position did he play for Lou Anarumo at Purdue? He played cornerback. What position did he play in high school when Lou Anarumo recruited him? Cornerback. Luana Rumo, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he sees Ricardo Allen still as a cornerback as he did when he was playing for him at Purdue. I think that would be a mistake. I think that Ricardo Allen coming up on 30, I don't think that he's going to have the quicks. I don't think that he's going to have the change of direction that you necessarily want from a guy who inevitably is going to have to man up on guys out of the slot where you get a lot of those two-way goes and change of direction is required that fit doesn't make any sense to me. So if this is something that the Bengals want to bring him in as a backup safety, you can do a lot worse than Ricardo Allen at backup free safety. He had some very good years in Atlanta. He's not playing at that level anymore, but that's all I would see this as is them kicking the tires on a guy that Lou knows. Lou might think that he can play some corner and he's more likely than not a backup safety candidate. At least I hope so. It would make sense. And that's the thing. Imagine asking 
a player to switch positions as he gets into year eight. He's a seven-year veteran. And that that's the the question mark here because what what did the Bengals emphasize big time last offseason? Tackling. They want good tackling players. They're cornerbacks. Trey Waynes, we we heard what? How good of a tackler he was. Mackenzie Alexander, tackler. And then I look at this and I'm like, maybe Allen can be the nickel. Maybe he is the guy that they they look at and um, you know, five nine one eighty six has that build. So I, I go into Google and I type in Ricardo Allen Combine, and you're in a four six one at the NFL Combine way back in twenty fourteen. And you talk about quicks, you talk about things like that. Well, maybe he's still running that fast, but slot receivers are are crazy now. I mean, is he going to be able to go up against some of these guys that are just you know the Tyler Boyds of the world? They're just amazing in the slot. So so that would be the the scary part about that. As far as him being a backup safety, that's fine. Sign me up. I, I think that that's – you're getting a, a quality player. If he's replacing Sean Williams, so to speak, that's fine. It's not going to make or break or change the landscape or anything like that. But if he's supposed to replace Mackenzie Alexander, then that is worrisome. And, and you wonder – then it opens up a whole can of worms with William Jackson the third, and is Ricardo Allen really going to be your nick, or is that something you're going to look at in the draft as well? If Allen's the guy that you you signed to replace Alexander, and, and it just your your mind starts run wandering rather, and you start to question this stuff, and and question the philosophy. Which a, a day after we had Doug Farrar on, who completely questioned Lou Anarumo's scheme, I think it's pretty fair to wonder where the logic is here. And unfortunately, all we can do is, is speculate at this point. Doug Farrar did tweet about this, actually, because he got tagged in somebody that tweeted at me about it. And he's like, after listening to Doug yesterday, and, and then Doug comments, to me, if they sign Ricardo Allen and they play him at slot corner, after watching what they did with William Jackson, that would be Lou Anarumo playing another guy out of position. You talk about the tackling, though, James. He has been hit or miss for tackling. And... I, let's see here. Four of his seven NFL seasons, he had nine to 11 missed tackles. And it was really 2020 when he finally turned in a, a relatively strong tackling performance in his career, though, according to PFF anyway, pretty average as a tackler for his size. Again, 5'9", 186. I think that's pretty good. But you're not talking about, in my opinion, a starting player here. The only way this could even begin to make sense if they're looking at Ricardo Allen as a slot corner is if they want to get even more zone heavy than they already are. I reached out to our friends at PFF and their breakdown on the man versus zone split for Lou Anarumo's defense is roughly four to five and a half. 400 man snaps to about 550 zone snaps in 2019, 376 to 569 in 2020. So if he wants to get even more zone heavy, that's why you could see the the gap between the public perception of William Jackson and what Lou Anarumo might think of William Jackson if they indeed do let him go. And why they might bring in a guy like Ricardo Allen who by most accounts seems to be better suited in general to playing zone coverages where he has a little bit of leeway and and isn't so required to stick on a guy the way that you are in straight up man coverage. Ricardo Allen was the only officially reported visit to the Bengals today. Again, that came from Adam Schefter, but there are a number of players that are rumored to be available. We'll talk about some of those fits coming up next.
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA, college hoops, and the NHL all in full swing, plus NFL draft just seven weeks away. Plenty of prop bets. If you want to get in on the action, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. So check it out right now. BetOnline.ag. Be sure to use promo code Locked On and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Again, go to BetOnline.ag, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. One of the more interesting things, Jake, I think about this offseason and free agency, with free agency just a couple of weeks away, the tampering period beginning on March 15th, is the fact that you're going to see a lot of veterans move on, you know, a lot of teams move on from veterans. We saw it on Tuesday with Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Van Noy, likely to be released by the Dolphins. The Bengals probably going to release Geno Atkins unless he takes a, a pay cut, right? So we're talking about it here in Cincinnati as well. With the cap and given the current cap constraints because of COVID-19, there are going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of veterans on the market. And even with Geno Atkins in Cincinnati, if the Bengals do want to try to get Geno to take a pay cut, they'll have to release him and then offer him a new deal. We've just seen this happen in Houston with David Johnson, who was released and signed a new deal. So I agree, we are going to see this increase increasingly happen. And I saw a tweet today from Matt Lombardo, who works at Fansighted, who said that teams are beginning to reach out to agents the way you see them do at the Combine. And I think this means that teams are aware of what that cap number is going to be. The framework for deals, the groundwork to negotiate almost always happens in Indianapolis at the Combine, especially for those high-end guys. Teams have been holding off and waiting for a cap number. But today, according to Matt Lombardo, multiple agents told him that phones are ringing off the hook. That started today. At the same time, we see the Saints say, we're going to shop Malcolm Brown. And I think they're going to end up releasing him because he's a run defending defensive tackle. He's a good player. I don't think anyone's given anything up for him. But all these teams should be trying to get something before outright releasing a guy, including the Bengals. Kyle Van Noy was said to have been released. Later, that was corrected. The Dolphins plan on releasing him, but they're going to try to get a trade done first. Again, I think Kyle Van Noy is going to end up getting released unless the Patriots want to throw maybe a sixth, seventh round pick to the Dolphins to get him back in New England because his contract is not necessarily super friendly. The last one to talk about, I think, is Kyle Rudolph. The Cincinnati native went to Elder, was released by Minnesota today. So a couple of Kyles and a Malcolm. And I can make pretty good cases for the fits for two of these guys in Cincinnati. But for Kyle Rudolph, who's the Cincinnati local, who a few people have tweeted about, like, come home, Kyle. That's the one that's the hardest sell for me because he's a 31-plus-year-old tight end who has limited value at this point in his career. I see him as a very similar player to Tyler Eifert at this point. A little bit less injury history, certainly, but some of those physical tools are starting to go. He's a red zone threat, not a great run blocker, pretty one-dimensional kind of player. If the Bengals want to bring Kyle Rudolph home, the only way I could see that happening and me liking that move is if it's on the cheap. Pick one, Tyler Eifert or Kyle Rudolph. Neither. 
<laughs> in typical Jake ageist fashion, you uh, you are just going against the the haggard, battled, battle tested tight ends. I, I'll say Kyle Rudolph, and here's why: I got to meet Kyle Rudolph in person. I think it was in 2016. The Bengals played the Vikings in the preseason, and I've interviewed Tyler Eifert a bunch. Kyle Rudolph makes Tyler Eifert look like a baby. He's just so much more physically imposing. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's almost like the Whitworth of tight ends. So if I had to pick one, I guess I'd go Kyle Rudolph. But your your point is an interesting one for the Bengals because they're one of a few teams that have cap space. And, and they're one of these teams that can free up even more cap space while all these other contenders, the Vikings, the Saints, all these teams that have been to the playoffs year after year after year are just trying to get under the cap, the Bengals can take advantage of that. And you wonder if they're going to, and that's why we're, and you hope they're going to. And I bet that that's, they have their their thumb on the pulse of this market. Because while we talk about, you know, Joe Tooney or Daryl Williams or Trent Williams, I'm sure they realize that some of these tackles could potentially get released, some of these offensive linemen, in that they might be able to get some steals here, and nothing, uh, nothing probably excites the Bengals more than trying to get a, a steal or a bargain or two, and that's good for them if they're able to. And I think that the market, the way it's going to be, they should be able to lure a couple of these guys that are hoping for uh, a short-term deal worth a significant amount of money, you know, a, a million or two more in Cincinnati versus uh, a league minimum type deal with a contender. And I don't think any of these players that we're talking about today are, are the type of players that are going to get league minimum. Kyle Van Noy, still essentially in his prime, if he's used right. There's a very specific scheme fit there that we'll talk about in just a minute. Let's finish on Kyle Rudolph, though. I, I, I'm with you. I would prefer Kyle Rudolph to, to Tyler Eifert, mostly because of, of the health history of them both. Kyle Rudolph can still be productive in a very specific role. But for the Bengals, I, I really don't see either making sense. For 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 Kyle Rudolph, I think he's looking for, and Ricardo Allen, I think they're both looking for maybe one, maybe two more contracts before they retire. They're looking for a little bit more money before they retire. Kyle Rudolph wrote a really nice letter to Minnesota. In the Player Tribune seems like a good guy, high character guy. I think he could contribute in the red zone. And, and that's kind of it. So to me, it's a limited edition. And not in the edition way, the addition way, where he just doesn't <laughs> do enough to, to really excite me. But Kyle Van Noy, and this is a real long shot, but I just want to talk about this for a minute. I don't think that the world we live in is a world where it makes sense that the Bengals will go after Kyle Van Noy. But here's a world where that begins to make sense. The world where that begins to make sense is where the Bengals prioritize players like DJ Reader and Sam Hubbard on the defensive line, the run stoppers, the guys that I'm going to feel really good about my defensive line and their ability to hold up the point of attack, contain pockets, maybe not rush the passer at a high level. And that seems to be the path the Bengals are on. The path to an elite pass rush for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2021, I think is extremely challenging to get to. But there is one interesting way they could approach it, and that is to adopt a Baltimore Ravens approach, I think it might actually be easier for the Bengals to scheme up their pressure with a guy like Kyle Van Noy. And you have to have a really good plan for a guy like Kyle Van Noy 
Really good article from Kyle Krabs. It was a free agent preview from 2020 on Van Noy. I, I tweeted it. I highly encourage you to go check it out. If you have a plan for Kyle Van Noy that involves scheming up pressure the way Baltimore did, because Baltimore's pass rushers, their front four, despite their investment in Kalias Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe, they weren't why Baltimore got pressure. It was their blitz packages. And if you can use Kyle Van Noy as part of that with his versatility and his specific skill set, that is a world where I can see an investment in Kyle Van Noy making sense in Cincinnati. So Kyle Van Noy is going to go to Baltimore. Got it. <laughs> you just you see, you just scared me. That's that's what's going to happen is Kyle Van Noy is going to be one of the many Baltimore edge rushers, uh, you know, that uh, that is part of that scheme. No, I I do wonder what the vision is defensively. Right. Because here's the thing. I'm pretty confident in saying while you and I are like, go all in on offense, at least mostly. And I just want to give Joe Burrow everything he could ever ask for after the beating he took last year and how the the season ended in in Washington. The Bengals aren't going to view it that way. If anything, that's what the Ricardo Allen visit says is, of course, they're still looking at defense and they're going to potentially upgrade in areas uh, that they see fit or that they feel are upgrades, right? And and I do wonder about that. So who knows? Maybe they would get in on a, a Kyle Van Noy. I do think they certainly want to improve their pass rush one way or the other. Kyle Van Noy is not an edge rusher, though, so I don't know how much he really helps you there. You have to have a really good plan. He is also one of those guys on the wrong side of 30. He turns 31 in June. He's younger than me. I guess I shouldn't give these guys such a hard time, but I know I couldn't play. I mean, I feel I feel what's happening in my body, not a pro athlete body, but you get the point. Van Noy, though, was easily at his best in the Bill Belichick defense in 2019 in New England when he racked up 60 pressures and eight sacks to go along with a productive season in coverage. So if he still has some juice, he still has some athleticism, I, I could see it making sense if they want to start sending guys on blitzes and, and get creative and have a good plan for that. I can see that making sense. But again, I, I don't know that that's the world we live in. Last guy to talk about James Malcolm Brown from the New Orleans Saints. I was a big fan of his coming out of Texas, went to the New England uh, Patriots in the draft. A lot of former Patriots, I guess, that we're talking about today, or at least two of them. Brown has been a plus run defender throughout his career. He has never quite developed as a pass rusher that I thought he could have coming out of Texas. He's gotten some small incremental gains over the years, but he's not going to be a pass rushing interior defensive lineman. Again, the Saints are trying to get something back for him in a trade. He's 27 years old, just turned 27 about a month ago. This is a guy that I would really like for interior defensive line help, depth, whatever you want to call it. Not a three-tech, though. Not a Geno Atkins replacement, but but I think he's going to be cut. And any of these veterans that get cut are guys that I'm keeping my eye on. Oh, it would be great if you could reunite Malcolm Brown with Von Bell in, in Cincinnati. I think that would be a, a high-end uh, addition, or like compared to comparatively speaking, I guess. But out of all these guys that we've talked about today, I think Brown would be the best fit and potentially have the best impact. And heck, looking back, yeah, you're right. The, the Patriots drafted him in 2015, 32nd overall. It's a shame that the the Bengals went with Cedric Abwehi instead of Malcolm Brown because uh, Brown would have actually contributed in the trenches. Up next, Jake and I going to dive into our free agent big board. It's tiered for the Bengals. Jake's excited about it. I'm excited about it. We'll dive into the thought process that went into it 
next. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the planet. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals. If you're looking to get fit, get healthy here with summer 2021 right around the corner, hopefully we can take vacations again and quarantine can lift. Well, you want to look good while you're on the beach or wherever you're vacationing and you want to get in better shape because we've all put on a little quarantine weight. Built Bar can help you get there. They come in 18 amazing flavors, whether it's caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, coconut almond raspberry, German chocolate peanut butter, or mint brownie. Every single bar covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar has something for you, and the best part, they're low in calories, high in protein, low in sugar, and perfect for you. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON20, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Free agency season is upon us. Free agency opens with the new league year in, well, it's actually exactly two weeks if you're listening to this episode on Wednesday. Free agency and the new league year, March 17th, coming your way soon. And to prepare for free agency, we have repeated what Joe and I did last year, James. We've put together a free agency board for the Cincinnati Bengals. There are some positions that I've completely left off. And apparently the Bengals are interested in some of those positions. One of those is safety. I included none of the many free agent safeties on this list, but we do have 88 players on here. Probably a few to add with some of these guys that are going to get cut that we talked about a little bit earlier. And both of us went through and kind of assigned a value or a tier to each guy on this list. We have some differences and we'll talk about our differences on another day. Probably early next week. We'll probably dedicate all of next week to free agency and and any breaking news, of course, as it comes up. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how I went about doing my tiering and how you went about doing your tiering, because I don't know if you usually do this. I don't know if you've done this before, James. So why don't you tell me what your thought process was when you went through and assigned one through five. We have five free agency tiers here for the different guys on the list. The first thing, and it, it's really to me comparable to how I look at draft prospects, and it, it's so value, and that starts with talent, and, and you know where the talent is, and so your you, your top guys, the the highest end. So I'll use tackle. To me, Trent Williams is by far the best tackle talent wise in this free agent class. So naturally, from that aspect, and there are a bunch of others, you know, injury history, age. Uh, money he could command, all of those things, that matters. But spoiler, he, he was going to be in my top tier, and that's that's not really spoiling much, right? So that would be the first thing. But all, all of those things go into it, right? whether it's you know money, potential fit with the Bengals, um, right? What we joked around about uh, Richard Sherman a couple weeks ago, you know, like so so that the fit part matters as well. But to me, talent, money, age, those are the big ones that you look at. And I think that this man, there's a lot of free agents And the crazy part is you're talking about we're going to add to it. I think we're going to have to add a decent amount of names to it before free agency actually gets here, because it could be a pretty, pretty busy couple of weeks for these NFL teams trying to get under the cap. I think you're absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of guys that we add when players get cut. I added J.J. Watt, I think, two days ago. Uh, I think I did it when Joe and I were streaming. We did a live stream on Twitch and. That's something you guys can check out if you want to. I'm not going to talk about it too much on the podcast, but 
I added JJ Watt to this list on Sunday. He just got signed. So what we have on the list, and we'll share it eventually publicly, probably around the time free agency opens, maybe when the tampering window opens. We've got a column for their current team, of course, their age, their PFF projected annual average contract value, the average per year contract value. And then we've got a column that's that's my value for them and James's value for them. And then we'll also track their new team and their new year or their new average uh, annual value of their contract, what they get paid compared to the projections, just so we can see where those differ this year. For example, PFF projected JJ Watt, I think at 13 million. I actually diverged from, from the spreadsheet here. And I said, I think he's going to get more. I put it in at 14 million. He ended up at five and a half million per year or 15 and a half million per year. Sorry. So we'll track that. It's interesting that you talk about the value perspective and that's how I address this as well. But one of the ways that I differentiate between tiers is I look at the the money and I kind of see the, the projected money as a way that the NFL is designing is, is designating these players into tiers, the wave one guys, the wave two guys, the wave three guys, et cetera. And so just to preview it, one of the differences we have is you have Corey Lindsley as, as a tier one, and I have Corey Lindsley as a tier two. And I, I 100% am with you that Corey Lindsley is the best center available. But in terms of prioritization, to me, Corey Lindsley is a clear step behind the priority list. He's a, a clear step behind the wave one elite free agents, guys like Allen Robinson, Leonard Williams, Trent Williams. So for me, that's a tier two differential. So that's how I kind of went through it. I think that's probably going to explain a lot of our differences here, but it'll be fun to talk about some of the guys you see as more valuable, some of the guys that I see as more valuable as we go through this. But that's been the methodology. This will allow us to go through exercises that say, last year, for example, the Bengals signed one of Joe and my tier one free agents in DJ Reader. And, and they signed a bunch of tier three guys, one of them to tier one money, but let's not get into that. What we can do based on their history and based on what we think they're going to spend cash wise this year is we can look at this list and say, all right, you get to pick one tier one guy and you get to pick three tier three guys. And, and sometimes you get to pick one tier two guy, depending on how many tier three guys you get to pick. And we can come up with different scenarios based on projected money based on how we value guys, based on where we expect NFL teams to prioritize guys. And that, I think, will be a lot of fun to talk about in coming weeks. Hold on. Let me change Corey Lindsley, Daryl Williams, Taylor Moten to Tier 4 so we can get them all. Hold on. Changing them here real quick. <laughs> no, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I love this. This is, uh, honestly, it can be, it's our own mock-free agency, and, and we can kind of keep tabs on the entire NFL keep tabs on the Bengals and look at who they sign when they get them, how they stack up with the rest of the league and and do it in a way where, because look, when, when they sign someone like Trey Waynes, you know what Waynes is. And that's who you were referring to. Spoiler. Everyone knows it. You, You know what Waynes is and you had him graded properly. But then there were the people that were like, yeah, but at least they're spending money and this and that. And the, and now a year later, it's like, man, is that the guy that's going to keep them from keeping and re-signing William Jackson III? Like, oh, if that's the case, right? That makes you just sick to your stomach. Well, well this can kind of keep us honest almost so we don't buy into the move. Uh, 
because of and you're good at this of, of not doing this and, and you know maybe I am guilty of it a little bit but it's it's easy to believe in the the hype a bit right and and, and I think that the Bengals in general need to be held to a higher standard than oh at least they spent which was kind of the logic last year and rightfully so because they haven't spent free agent free agency in years and years and years now the expectation isn't uh, you know hopefully they spend it's not, there's no more hope. The expectation is they have to spend and they have to spend it right. And this is a way for us to kind of track that and keep keep them accountable and keep ourselves accountable. Yeah, I think the standard is higher this year. I've talked about that before on this podcast. I think in the last mailbag and in the piece I wrote for Cincy Jungle when I talked about how the Bengals can spend money this year, the Bengals need to be held to a higher standard this year. And it can simultaneously be true. And we talked about this with Wayne's last year. At least they're spending money. There actually is some some value in that. It tells us that they're willing to spend money, but you can still criticize, I don't know if that's the right way to spend money. We did one episode after free agency where we did kind of a, a cynic view and an optimist view on the free agency signings. And people hated it because people thought we were way too negative in the cynical part where we said, here's how it might go wrong. And the way that we thought things might go wrong isn't actually what happened because the guys just got hurt. But you know, when, when you talk about any move in a vacuum, this is a useful thing to have because we can see we think that they overpaid based on how we would have valued the guy. And we can talk about that in a vacuum from the from the fact that, yeah, maybe they are spending now. So that is a step maybe in the right direction. But we'll have to see, because like you said, James, they have to spend that money right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we're joined by Bengals director of content, Seth Tanner. Going to talk to him a little bit about the changes to the season ticket program and what other surprises he can tell us are in store for Bengals fans. As part of that game day experience, the Bengals are rebranding and trying to reinvigorate for 2021. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.